Welcome back. It's Krista Living Sober, and we're here for my next episode. Enjoy. We have been wonderful. It's just been kind of crazy because, as you know, we're going through a big transition right now. So every day is an adventure. Mm -hmm. I know you're doing the same thing. Every day is a new adventure, right? It is. It is. It's challenging, but it's worth it. You just celebrated one year sober. and I'm so proud of you. That's amazing. That's a huge accomplishment. I remember when I got my first year sober, I felt like I could do anything. Yeah, it, it is such an amazing feeling. Like, you know, you're going along step by step, day by day, and you, you know, getting more and more confident in yourself and all that. But I still didn't believe that I'd make it a year, you know. And yeah. then to say, oh, I'm at a year, a year milestone. This is just incredible. It's just, you feel so on top of the world. Like you've yeah. really accomplished something and, and you have. Good, yeah. Um, it's huge. And I bet you feel happier and stronger and healthier. Can and you, can you feel the changes? Life. Yes, definitely. And and just in all kinds of ways. And it's just also all of this has happened. You know, um, my faith has grown, doors have opened, things that I couldn't have dreamed. You know, they always say you have to have a dream to have a dream come true. Well, dreams are coming true that I never dreamed because I couldn't have dreamed that big. You know, so it's it's been a wonderful I love that. I love that. I just read the just for today and the topic is dreams never die. So I love that. It's perfect. Yeah. There you go. Do not die after addiction, you know, after stopping whatever it is you need to stop. Yeah. And when I look back to where I was just a little over a year ago and where I am now, it's incredible. You know, I was just in such an ugly, dark, lost, stuck miserable space you know and and every day was the same because I was just drinking every day so it just perpetuated itself and then once you get out of that and start feeling that freedom you know that hope and um well I'm gonna say pride healthy pride in yourself then it's like everything opens up yeah I agree It is challenging at first. Do you think you discovered who you truly are as a person in your sobriety? Absolutely. And that's when I got um, my sunflower tattoo, which was for my four-month alcohol-free. At that time, it really hit me that for the, I don't know if it was the first time, but it was the first time I was really viscerally aware that I'm me and that's enough. And I'm really excited to be me, you know? So, yeah, that really was the first time that I, I I guess I would say I felt comfortable in my own skin. Yeah, because before, were you drinking to kind of escape yourself? Yeah, I think a lot of it was to numb feelings, numb emotional pain, to escape, you know, not face up to the things that were facing me and the fact that I was perpetuating my own misery. Now that was a shocker. That real realization didn't come till closer to almost a year 
uh, alcohol free that I realized, oh, I was so busy blaming all these other people mm. and 99.9% of it was right here in me. It was my thoughts, my disturbed thought patterns and right. the way I would just keep running them over and over and over my head and, and not letting them go, you know, mm. just kind of wallowing in them. It's so uh, easy to do that when we're drinking, when we're just constantly miserable too and you get stuck in that pattern of negativity it's just so hard I remember doing that too and I didn't realize I was doing it either but I was just so mad that I was projecting I was blaming everybody else and making up excuses and not really taking the credit for being the one that needed to change exactly mm -hmm. exactly and that's very, very eye-opening and humbling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I think you have to give up the alcohol, let the alcohol go before you can ever get to that point. Yeah. And and when you do, it's it's, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know. I just, mm -hmm. Yeah. I so I, what I really want to talk about today yeah. is the next right step. You know, that's something mm -hmm. I, that's kind of my mantra now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once you're, once you're right with yourself and you're right with your higher power and those doors start opening up, those next right steps just start presenting themselves. And all right. you have to do is walk through that door that just opened. Mm -hmm. um, and that sounds so simplistic, but I found it to be, so true um yeah. it's it's almost magical yeah you know? i agree <laughs> i don't know how you explain it really i guess it's spiritual awakening or you yeah. know whatever terms you but it really is you know my heart's been changed my mind's been changed isn't the saying that if one door closes another door opens mm -hmm. that is or so true one. though and it you is. start seeing that in recovery when you're mm -hmm. alcohol free and drug free and it is magical and I think it's more spiritual maybe than magical if whatever you believe in but I for sure believe my higher power has something to do with keeping me sober and then opening all these new doors and shutting doors when needed you know when that's when he doesn't want things to work out for the best and that's something and our um, pastor did a really great sermon series on that about the myths around forgiveness and one of the big ones is forgive and forget and pastor lisa says no forgive and release mm -hmm. and that was something that really helped me and she had us do the exercise of sitting there and clenching our fist all those things that we're holding on to and all the stresses and all the insecurities and, you know, we're just not letting them go because they're ours and we're going to hold on to them. Well, when you forgive and release, mm -hmm. you're just letting that stuff go. It's it's no longer, you're, you're not dragging it around with you anymore. You're not hanging on to it. And, yeah. and that was revolutionary for me. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a lot of weight just lifted off of you. You feel definitely free, and it's an amazing feeling. I'm so proud of you. I'm glad that you get to experience that. And oh, thank you. Yeah. That's why I want to share it, because I want mm -hmm. other people, because I know early on, 
I never would have believed any of this stuff. I wouldn't right. have understood it. I wouldn't have accepted it. And so I want people to know that's okay. That's okay. Just keep taking that next right step. In the beginning, just take a step, whatever that mm -hmm. step is for you. Take exactly. And you have and to then, take the first step. Admit that you have a problem, and then you have to work on it each and every day, one day at a time. How does the new sober identity affect your lifestyle? It affects my lifestyle because I am, I'm not, I'm no longer hiding or mm -hmm. protecting or guarding or pretending. I'm no longer an imposter. I'm, I'm just right. me. You know, yeah. I'm not mm -hmm. concerned about what other people think. I mean, right. obviously, I want to be considerate, and I, but. I'm not hiding myself anymore. And I really realized that that going to early childhood was something that somewhere along the line, I got the message that, you know, I was too much. And so I started not being me and mm -hmm. I started being watchful and learning how to portray mm -hmm. what I thought other people wanted to see in me yeah. instead of just being, being you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of a crying shame that, you know, that had to happen. I had to wait till that happened until I was 68. But, you know, when it happens, it happens. That's, right. That's, that's, it was yeah. your time to change. Yeah. And it was when you needed to. Yeah. I remember acting like somebody I wasn't in my active addiction when I was drunk. I think that had to do with me wanting to fit in and be seen and be heard. But that wasn't the real me, you know. It's just amazing how you can look back and see how different you are how completely mm -hmm. different you are like it's a whole 180 we become different people in sobriety we really do and that's again i have no words for that but it's so liberating it, it is really yeah so, and it feels so good and i just want that for everybody so yeah, you know constantly supporting and encouraging and you know whether you have one day or, or one minute right. that you've made that decision and you're you're taking that next step go for it keep going keep going keep going it's so worth it it's exactly so worth it. now that you have hit the one year what recovery plan do you have in place to stay sober i know we kind of touched upon that when you came on last time but are you still doing the same thing you know right now we're in a, a real interesting transition period. My husband had wanted to move to Costa Rica ever since we visited 15 years ago. And he's brought it up through the years. And I've always been like, mm -hmm. mm, no, I'm not leaving the country. Yeah. So this time when he brought it up, you know, he had done some homework and all of that. And I guess with everything that happened to me, I was open and I was like, okay, well, let's sit down and, and take a look at that. And so that was in March. And since then, we've sold our house. We've sold virtually everything. We're staying with our cousin right now. We're negotiating on a house in Costa Rica. We're trying to get all of our medical situations attended to before we move. And so it's just been go, go, go. Wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. It's, yeah, I mean, you talk about doors opening. They, yeah. They've just been flying huge. open. It's really mm -hmm. huge. And, and so... Do you think just, that would have happened if you were drinking? No. No. I can tell you 100% no. Mm -mm. Right. Because I was stuck in my own little misery box, and that's where mm -hmm. I was going to stay at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had to be open. 
I had to be open to look at things from a different perspective and be willing to uh, consider different ideas. So anyway, honestly, as far as a recovery plan or what I'm doing, that's just on the back burner. But I will tell you this, alcohol is just not even on my radar screen at all. I just don't think about it. It's not part. It's just small and irrelevant. It just has nothing to do with me now at some point. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. but at this point in my life, no, it's just attending to that next right step back in the fall. And I think we talked about this before. I, I was really, as I started healing, I was really feeling a strong calling to do something, but not really have any idea what it was. And so I just prayed a lot, you know, um, God would reveal his will. And I started to understand that this was kind of a pause, that this was a time of preparation um, and just readying myself for whatever it was that was coming next, which was real foreign to me. I've always been kind of a plan your work and work your plan kind of person. So to not have a plan and just basically sitting around waiting, okay, all right, what's next? Mm-hmm. And boy, when that what's next came, it was like, bam, here's your vision. Here's what you're, the way you're headed. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue, which is kind of scary, but exciting. There's a better word, but just <laughs> all at the same time. And I just feel totally confident in my faith that as long as I stay open to the next step that presents itself and taking that next step, that the next right step will present itself. So faith, I guess. I've just really, really found in faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. And all of the growth that happens in those moments of waiting and preparation. God really, truly does prepare us for more amazing things in our life. And it's really beautiful that when you give up what's negative and what doesn't serve you any longer, to see the amazing things that life can bring to you, that God can give you in your life. That's so true, Krista. Yeah. Like a new place to live, a new baby. Like it's all, it's like these things, they just keep coming, you know? Yeah. And when you were in active addiction, you could have never dreamed that, right? I mean, yeah. (laughs) not. And so, you know, when these things start manifesting, they're Mm -hmm. just way beyond anything that I could dream. And that's, again, points to a higher power. I mean, this isn't coming from me. This is Mm -hmm. something big. I agree. Couldn't have done it without my higher power, that's for sure. Has relapse ever crossed your mind? And what did you do to combat those thoughts? Yes, it did cross my mind. And that's when I first started counseling. And not that I was having a desire to drink or anything, but I was feeling so much healthier and happier. And I did not, under any circumstances, want to go back to where I had been. And so, you know, when I brought this up to my counselor and she goes, well, what's your relapse plan? I'm like, plan? (laughs) She says, yeah, you need to have a plan. So at that time, this was back in the fall, she suggested that I just kind of write a list of things that I was grateful for and match them because she's a Christian counselor, match them with scripture that's, you know, supports that particular gratitude and then cut them up, 
and put them in a box and put them where when that time came that I could go and pull one of those out or as many as I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just, and I did that and I've not gotten into the box. The box is going with me though. It's going with me to Costa Rica. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of gives me comfort that it's there. Right. Uh, Because, you know, I mean, there's, there's, Ups and there's down, there's valleys, and so low times will come. I know that. We have something in place to right. that is a comfort that helped you combat the stinking thinking, the negative right. thoughts that would come up, and that yeah, helps. Yes, just the knowledge that I had something in place that uh, instead of just swirling in that toilet bowl of you know thinking thinking. Yeah. I could take an action step and go and pull out gratitude that had a scripture with it and kind of recenter myself. And I guess that's my plan for right now. And, and yeah. just we'll see what uh, evolves from there. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as you have something in place, you know, um, to help get you out of whatever thoughts come up, um, that's a good thing. For me, I think the therapy that I've been through working on my negative thought patterns has helped tremendously as well. This past weekend, I went to a surprise birthday party for someone and it was the first time I was triggered really in the almost four years I've been sober. Uh And I just, I noticed how strong that I I really wasn't. You know, I'm not invincible in my recovery. This recovery, I have to work on it every day. For the first time, I was like, wow, like I saw shots, you know, there's people who are smoking marijuana. It was kind of scary because I haven't experienced that. So mm-hmm. it's good to have something in place. Well, and thank you for sharing that. I yeah. think that's important for me and all of us to hear that because a year in, I'm still relatively new. But, you know, I kind of feel invincible in a way, you know, because I feel so yeah. strong right now. So it's, and I see different post about people sharing that a year, four years, seven years, things pop up. So it's something I don't think you can ever just dismiss. Yeah, I feel like we're always recovering. We're always working at bettering ourselves. Yeah, and I think that's the key, you know, and everybody, everybody can work on improving themselves every day. And that's one thing, um, you know, you mentioned marijuana, and I'll use the Kathleen Turner line from Romancing the Stone. You know, I went to, to college in the 70s, too. So pot's been a big part of my life. And you know, since I was a teenager till my one-year anniversary, alcohol-free. And leading up to that, I realized that the cognitive dissonance, that you're a phony, you're not really clean, you're not... You know, because in my mind, sober meant abstaining from alcohol. So I didn't feel that cognitive dissonance in the beginning. And I think that was, I mean, alcohol was the biggie. I had to handle that first. Of course. But then as I came up on my one-year anniversary, it's like, I'm still using this mind-altering substance. And when I do, I'm not present. I'm not enjoying the benefits of being, well, substance-free. And so that's my next right step. I just really felt like that was the thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I just, I kind of, I guess, approached it like I did when um, I broke up with alcohol. I just decided, Mm -hmm. okay, it's time. And 
so far, I mean, that was May 24th. It hasn't been long, but we're also doing all these other things. So I'm completely out of my normal routine. But I think that's a really good thing. I'm really proud of myself that I am now completely substance free, no longer relying on any mind altering substances. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to share that too. It's such a different world where people do become sober and some people do smoke marijuana and and that's their own way to recover and however they do it. But I do agree that smoking marijuana is a mind-altering substance and just not for us. And we just want to be fully there because I know how weed affects me and it did uh, affect my what mind. A gift. What a beautiful gift to yourself and to yeah. Amelia to your husband you know just being aware just being in the moment just being present daily and that's what really matters so how how do the people in your life feel about your recovery and your sober journey oh they've been so proud of me we've got four Mm -hmm. adult children and for the uh, my first sober anniversary they they sent me this beautiful treasure trove of of gifts Uh, uh yeah and very encouraging. And other people, like my best friend, she has quit drinking. Um, uh-huh. My husband quit drinking. Uh-huh. And it's not anything that I've said or asked. It's just uh-huh. something, just a byproduct, maybe. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that there are other people, perhaps, that are sitting back there watching us, uh-huh. you and me and others, and a sober space and realizing, oh, they seem to have something that I like to have, you know, mm-hmm. or they seem to have let go of something that maybe yeah. I should let go of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Your story is so inspiring and oh, I'm just you. so happy that you get to share your recovery journey every day with people and I'm glad that I came upon your Instagram and found you and I love having you on to share your inspiring strength and hope yeah I'm so proud of you like that is such a huge accomplishment and many more years to come right yeah yeah thank you thank you so much yeah Chris is there anything else that you'd like to add for Um, the listeners and the viewers you know I think what I'd like to add is and I won't say stereotype, but I have, at first I kind of got offended when I would have followers that would address me as grandma and all that. Of course, my handle is the sober grandma, yeah. but my grandson's seven years old, you know, so I'm thinking yep. I'm a grandma. But then I thought, well, I could be their grandma, you know, I'm old enough to be their grandma and that's a good So my point is to not think, to just be aware, to not think that your 68-year-old church-going grandma could have a problem with alcohol right. or marijuana for that matter to to be open and receptive and non-judgmental mm-hmm. judgment-free yeah. and to be there for people to be able to walk their journey and to know that you'll be there to support them yeah and supporting others really helps when they're struggling, when they're going through something that, you know, you don't really know about. And this can go for anybody dealing with something hard and negative that people don't really truly understand. But just support people and love one another and don't cast judgment because no one's perfect exactly. themselves. It's so important exactly. in the world, in society. 
Well, that's, you know, you're saying that, Krista, there was a, um, a post yesterday that I kind of got involved in the comments a little bit. Normally, I don't do that a whole lot other than just, mm -hmm. you know, encouragement and support. But this yeah. has to do with, uh, should alcohol have a label like cigarette? And so a lot of the uh, oh, conversation yeah. was about drinking responsibly mm -hmm. and, you know, people drink responsibly, blah, blah, blah. And I just basically chimed in and said, I think that approach is all just misdirection mm -hmm. to um, blind us that the, of the fact that alcohol is a toxic, addic addictive substance yeah. that absolutely should have labels. It should. Like cigarettes. Because to say to drink responsibly, that's putting shame and blame on the individual. Right. I drink responsibly. Why don't you? Yeah. Right. And who drinks yeah. responsibly? I mean, I know there's a few people that exactly. do and you know it, it never affected them you know I was like jealous of those people because something always went wrong when I drink right but right. it just it drives me insane that alcohol is widely accepted in our culture in our society across the world and yeah. it's the number one drug that kills people from drunk driving kills people from alcohol poisoning it's truly a gateway drug to everything else because you go to a party and there's alcohol you're going to get drunk and then people are doing drugs mm -hmm. it's just it's just really sad the way it's the way it is in our society you know and i wish it was different i feel like it might be changing a little bit but it well, needs to change <laughs> no and I agree 100%. And I think that's where it's so important that we raise our voices and we right. speak our truths. Mm -hmm. And little by little, step by step. Because you're young enough, you don't remember everybody smoked when I was growing up. You know, mm -hmm. it was like alcohol. All my mm -hmm. parents' friends, yeah. my parents smoked and all their friends. I mean, that's just what you did. Mm -hmm. And then look at how that changed. Right. And so that's, I, I firmly believe that's going to happen with alcohol. But it's important for us in the alcohol-free space to be loud and proud, to recover yeah. out loud. You know? I agree, yeah. yeah. And hopefully it changes the world one step at one yeah. little video at a time, right? That's right. <laughs> well, and thank you for what you're doing. It's so important. Yeah, I'm trying. You like sure I said, are. my recovery is not perfect, you know. Being a sober mom, it's just, it's so new, but it's it's rewarding and I'm so happy to be sober doing it. And I'm happy that I got back into therapy to talk to someone. I'm happy I got back on medication because there are things that you. you're gonna learn in your sober journey that you might need some medication, you might need that extra help and it's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no recovery is journey is gonna be perfect, but it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And take that first step if you're out there listening, <laughs> wondering if you should, just take it. Yes, <laughs> one step at a time. And if you need help, reach out to either one of us. Um, I'll post all of our links um, on YouTube. And then, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on my show uh, again, Lynn. It's always uh, a pleasure having you. Congrats you. on the year and keep going. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely.